Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Alex. Hey, hey, hey. And Dan. Hi. Today we're going to be talking about the shape of water and what it means to be a person. So, spoiler alert. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So, guys, what did we all think of The Shape of Water? It it was a quirky little film. I'll give yeah, it that. Quirky is a good word for it. <laughs> Del Toro always has a, a certain little uh, style or spin he puts on his films, like Pan's Labyrinth and stuff. And this it's very ever present in this one for sure. Yeah, most definitely. I remember when the trailer dropped. Everyone thought it was a prequel for Hellboy because the creature in this one looks oh, a lot like the character yeah, Abe Sapien, who's like oh, a fish for person. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah, it was I a agree. good standalone. Yeah, <laughs> if it was revealed like, oh, it really was, I would have been very disappointed. <laughs> kind of like the uh, the ending of a split. Did you feel like that was? Yes. Is there another Shyamalan <laughs> film that Split alludes to? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you not? I, I haven't, oh, seen, I haven't Split. seen Split. Okay, we won't talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Quit. Before we get into The Shape of Water, uh, my roommate and I tried to watch it on a fire stick, and apparently there was another movie that came out the same year called Split that's about bowling, and we watched like the first 10 minutes of that movie before we realized it was not the right <laughs> What a twist! <laughs> like, we were like, wow, they're really developing that she likes bowling. Like, that's a little on the nose split, but okay. When does James McAvoy show up? <laughs> and it took us much longer than it should have. Oh, wow. um, but, Shape of Water. Quirky film, it's a good way to put it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very happy to see it nominated for Best Picture and uh, a lot of other oscars that uh i can't remember off the top of my head i think maybe best score but that's neither here nor there uh i really liked it yeah definitely directing and uh i wouldn't doubt it if cinematography or sound design maybe perhaps definitely yeah. the uh sort of behind the scenes the intricacies of um like uh, maybe best editing the stuff where it's if you don't notice it, you know they're doing a good job. All that category stuff for sure. Right. Oh, I see. Um, I definitely like the the char- the likable characters were likable, and the uh, evil villainous characters no. were uh, oh, yeah. terrifyingly villainous. Strickland. Strickland was a very fun uh, villain to uh, not necessarily, definitely not root for. But sometimes it's just funny to see them scheming and conniving. Yeah, it was <laughs> just. Say. You couldn't take your eye off him when he's on screen. Like, he's so intense. <laughs> right. I always think of, like, if you hate Joffrey in Game of Thrones, that's because the he's actor doing a good is job. doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. And, like, some people take it to the extreme and, like, get mad at the actor. Like, if they see yeah. him, they're like, hey, there's Joffrey, I hate you. I'm like, that's, yeah. a, that's a character. I know, even, like, you're like Draco Malfoy <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> the only other thing I can remember this actor doing is zod in man of steel so he's just always like the shouty villain <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i will find him <laughs> which i think he might say in this movie would, but <laughs> i will find the creature the power of post <laughs> yeah man uh well they definitely used his uh acting abilities better 
yeah. in this one. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he does it great, and this movie's definitely better than Man of Steel. Yeah, he has a... at me. I will fight you on this. <laughs> he has a much wider range of emotions than just a jilted general from Krypton. I don't know. <laughs> Um, uh, since since we're on Strickland, I want to point out how it was a neat idea, his drive to have the perfect life and the perfect picturesque American family. Yeah, nuclear 1960s family, I think is yeah. what how you put it. Yeah, that's really, like, what drives his, like, anger. And you can just see how, like, fuming and ang- like, he's just sitting there in his perfect, like, bright yellow like shingled house and his like perfect wife in the uh kitchen apron and stuff it's like honey i think we should get the kids a p-u-p-p-y <laughs> and he's just like he's just sitting sitting there, there fuming so unhappy <laughs> with his life <laughs> so it's what he thought he wanted yeah but it wasn't what was making him yeah happy. there's even mm-hmm. the scene when he goes to the um i believe it's after the creature uh is stolen from the facility uh, he's sort of like trying to um, reaffirm his uh, his control over his life. So he goes to a, um, a car dealership yeah. or whatever, and he gets uh, caught up in the salesman. He's like, yeah. this car will make you the man that you want to be. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I, I can't argue with that. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, it's before the break. It, it must oh, be before right. because during yeah. the heist, his car gets yeah. scratched up. And it's, yeah. it's like a, an actual metaphor for his um, for his life. He's like, wow, life. I'm really doing great. Well, did you nope. think, did you think uh, well, like when they reattached his fingers, like them getting darker and darker and like black out until like they, he ripped them off. Like, was that him as a person becoming like darker and darker and angry and angrier and like going to more depth I was, like, trying to pay attention to his fingers because I noticed at one point I was like, oh, those aren't the right color. And (laughs) then eventually they do have him kind of pointed out and, like, they, like, ooze some sort of pus and it's gross. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it was supposed to be, like, not necessarily i think that is like an astute observation of like they get darker and more decayed like yeah. the deeper he's like I think, going into i think it. what my takeaway from his finger metaphor thing was personally was sort of his like attachment to his own american dream which yeah. clearly is not panning out it's like no take a look at my american dream it's doing fine it's all dead and decayed and smells <laughs> of death or whatever so him finally ripping off his three fingers is uh accepting uh, just embracing his his war path essentially i would say okay yeah, yeah i read it as like him being i don't care if these fingers are dead and they're not working people have five fingers so, so i'm gonna have five oh, fingers wow. and then him ripping it off is like okay i don't care about any of this I'm the i just monster. need to <laughs> yeah <laughs> the real monster is man. man um he's like i don't care about anything i just need to find this fish man um, so that was my takeaway. So that's cool that we all found three Something. different like, <laughs> yeah. things about it. One for each finger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope it's three fingers. <laughs> it might be two. <laughs> There's um, more than one for sure. <laughs> so Strickland's a super interesting character, and he's the main antagonist, but he is not the main character. The main character is Eliza, and wow, what a performance. Um, for not 
speaking aloud, the actress was still able to deliver like a very compelling performance. And uh, I just thought that was very cool. I mean, Ariel and the Little Mermaid maybe did a little yeah. better. But... <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> uh, Ariel used was reliant on the fork to really um, come off as a cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. What's it called? A dingle hopper. A dingle. Hopper. <laughs> um, I would say, and this is something I learned from um, Lily, who's taking a American Sign Language. The facial expressions are just as important as the hand motions to in, to communicate and like to indicate what you're talking about will change meaning based on what your facial expression is what you're claiming your uh feelings towards it to is. contextualize your feelings exactly. to the words okay yeah so basically the way like your voice inflection would be while speaking like your facial expression would like be your tone essentially mm-hmm. i guess yeah yeah. So Eliza's a very, I would say, a very reserved sort of woman who like expresses herself in like the quirky little ways that like here and there that she does. She'll sort of uh do a do a little ditty with her um with her oh, neighbor. Yeah. Uh I'm not sure what the old like little uh, little foot dance thing yeah. if it's like a Charlie Chaplin thing or, or something. But yeah, um but, like they'll do a little tap dance while sitting on the couch together. Uh so despite it being very evident, it's like we're we're shown Eliza's daily routine, and uh, uh, she's maybe not the uh, uh, the best off character that we've uh, we've been introduced to so far. But she uh, she makes the most out of it, which uh-huh. definitely mm-hmm. empathizes you to her situation. Yeah, and one thing I I think you two pointed out was um, potentially that she wasn't always mute, and they sort of allude to the fact that maybe an accident caused Mm -hmm. her to become mute which i think for me like definitely heightens that empathy because it not only is she mute but it's it's a voice that she lost so sort of like you you had the ability and to lose it it, it is far more tragic than to uh have born with it yeah which was why i think it's like so much more uh impactful when she does start communicating with the mm-hmm. uh with the creature that she's found someone um at the uh the same level of expression mm-hmm. as yeah. her that she can sort of like unabashedly yeah. mm-hmm. uh express herself to there there was a, a commercial i saw or a story i read of like this person coming into some for some form of coffee shop and like pointing at things and trying to figure out like what he wanted and just sort of like not being able to get anyone's attention and couldn't figure out how to order what he needed. And then, like, the barista... Barista? Barista? We know what you're saying. <laughs> Which is it? And I, I, I guess I would say barista. Okay, that's what I'll say then. <laughs> the barista starts, like, speaking in sign because they sort of figured out that that was why they weren't speaking. And, like, you see, like, the delight and joy in this person's oh, yeah, face. Oh, like, to perks be, up and Yeah, to up. be like, I can communicate with someone right now. And, like, it, it's sort of reminding me, like, how isolating it is to, like, not be able to speak your voice. Mm-hmm. In um, my freshman year of college, I got, like, bronchitis and tonsillitis at the same time. <laughs> oh, yes. And there were like there was, like, a maybe a three-day period where I physically couldn't speak. And I remember, like, just getting 
more and more upset because I wasn't getting to like speak my opinion yeah. in conversation. Mm -hmm. like, and it's I that just... distinction between being treated as a person and being treated as a thing that this movie nails perfectly, especially uh, Del Toro chose the setting uh, perfectly, the 1960s, where women are being sort of treated as objects, or mm -hmm. there's even that scene in the, um, that like, uh, that sort of family diner or whatever mm -hmm. that the, um, the, the older black couple walk into mm -hmm. and are sort of shoot away immediately. It's, uh, um, it's like not being able to speak your mind with another person where you're right. going with that. Or it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that so, sense of like, I get to watch people live their lives, but not get to participate in that aspect with them. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the diner scene, um, just real quick, Giles, Eliza's neighbor, is revealed to be gay. And it's a different kind of like holding back, but it's similar of he can't really flirt with anyone because being gay at this time was seen like as taboo like he tries to hit on one of the diner employees and the guy's like what are you doing like get out of my diner this right is now. a family establishment yeah. yeah so he's like not allowed to express his feelings mm -hmm. similarly to how eliza like can't express her feelings and so when she meets the creature i think it's not necessarily oh, I get to communicate with someone. She's visibly happier. Yeah, she's visibly happier, but it's because, oh, this thing doesn't look at me like a freak because it doesn't know that I can't talk. So I think it's the same vein of, oh, I get to communicate with someone, but it's just on a different, like, plane. Right, right. So once Eliza and the creature start communicating, that starts butting into a friendly re relationship and that starts budding into a romantic relationship and then that buds into a physical relationship and the big topic or discussion around this movie has been is that okay the fish man is a fish man and eliza is a human woman um so do you guys have any opinion on um there's just the what happens if you let the gays marry <laughs> what's next fish people <laughs> um not to get too like uh meta about the question already but i i think it's interesting to think about <laughs> it almost in reverse in the sense that um eliza uh has sort of like a felt that she has lost a bit of her humanity in the sense of that slight loss of humanity has sort of made her relate to a like um or to relate and feel a different like a uh, level of love mm. that other people necessarily won't be able to feel is that any less valid for her to like feel that way like uh i i don't i don't think so personally just because she's like on that at that other level yeah it's on a different kind of level of love and understanding that we might not be able to get to because she's had a serious loss and also the creature has like superpowers so like maybe there's something we're missing um yeah where it was like a what the it was taken from a culture that had like revered it as a god yeah. or something like that yeah so i i read an article that sort of 
explained and added importance to the sex scene, which was an opportunity for characters with disabilities having a healthy sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And it sort of points out this aspect of, in media, the portrayal of like getting a disability in adulthood, the whole focus is on that disability. And anytime they introduce sex, it would be for a humorous or dramatic moment of, I can't do it anymore. And it's just an added tragedy to the disability. Yeah. Instead of it opening another uh, door or it blossoming into another form of love to express mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I anticipated going into the movie because I knew it was a love story. Um, but I thought it was just going to be a romantic love that doesn't get onto a physical sexual level. But they, ex- you don't see it, but they explicitly say, yes, Eliza and the creature have sex, which I didn't see coming, but that is a great point. And I, th- I feel like Ramona might have brought this up to me as well, but it is just a healthy sexual relationship. Um, I will say... I was surprised that no one in the movie thought it was weird. Eliza's friend Zelda. Oh, in the movie world. In the movie weird. In the movie world, yeah. In the universe of the movie. Uh, In the the universe of the movie. So the next day, Eliza's friend Zelda is like, oh, you seem so happy. Like, what are you hiding from me? Like, and she starts hinting at like, did you like, and the fish man? And Eliza just nods. And then Zelda goes, does he even have a, you know, like a penis? And so Eliza nods and then pantomimes <laughs> how his penis works, basically. Um, and and Zelda was just like, huh, how crazy is that, you crazy kid? Ain't that the... Yeah, ain't that the, the darndest thing? And I was very surprised. She was like, she didn't think that was weird? That's... Doesn't... All right, that's what we're at. And uh, it's also because uh, I am glad that you mentioned it was definitely like a a healthy sexual relationship, but there's still that sense of longing that Eliza's feeling. She has mm-hmm. that uh, that home musical number to herself. Just literally the lyrics are uh, saying what's on her mind that like he'll never know like how yeah. much that she loves him. Like he can't, which is in all honesty, the reason why that she uh, loves the creature so unabashedly mm-hmm. is because he doesn't have that form of understanding of what what he is to her essentially right and it sort of has that tragic divide and so yeah that's definitely like an interesting point that i certainly like checked my privilege of like i I hadn't even like noticed that in media but what Mm -hmm. a negative like portrayal and like how difficult it must be like that that question of how did you do it is probably one that people with disabilities could get pretty Mm -hmm. often enough where it's like a What's the word I'm looking for? We're disregarding their feelings by asking that. Like, our curiosity is more important than the sensitivity of the topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But, to be fair in this context of the movie, like, he's an amphibian man. Yeah. He's a creature monster, which I think could lead us to this other topic of, that was like interspecies sex. Is that something that we're... Able to... with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after walking out of the movie and we were sort of like talking about it, um, Ramona started going, can he consent? I don't think he can consent. And I, 
I came away with. No, I think he could. Like, he could clearly learn and emote, and Eliza clearly listened. I don't know. I just felt like he knew what was happening, and if he didn't want it to happen, he wouldn't have let it happen. He clearly had feelings for Eliza, but it's Mm -hmm. very tough. He's like, oh, is, is that just like... Like, your dog is happy to see you when you get home kind of thing? Or is it another level of understanding? It was... Yeah. I would say it was very hard to hard mm-hmm. to tell. It, there's no definitive answer. Right. And there's also a sense of, like, kids can't legally consent. And it's because, like, their, their brains haven't developed to the point where they truly understand what consent means. And, like, mm-hmm. under uh, have the total context of consequence that comes with a sexual relationship. And because... We can't necessarily communicate with this amphibian man so easily. It makes it difficult for us to truly understand its level of knowledge or intelligence. Mm-hmm. But I think we got a good sense yeah. it was... It's sort of, you almost have to take a leap as both the viewer and if you were in that situation that uh, both parties are essentially consenting. Which, as an outside viewer, I think I would take away that it was like, as you mentioned, it was like a healthy relationship. But there's really no way of knowing without that leap having taken place yeah exactly because there are scenes where he's clearly animal there are scenes where he seems more intelligent and sophisticated i'm tired of watching films where cats die yeah (laughs) you can you can add this one in a i love wes anderson's films but i feel like an animal always dies and this one's no exception um yeah the the creature eats the head off a cat and that's, oh, but what's great about um, that scene is the neighbor, Giles, who like wasn't necessarily on board with taking the creature home, walks in, the creature's eating his cat's head. And then when Eliza comes back, he's not mad. He doesn't freak out at her. He goes, it's okay. yes, what, it's did we, wild beast. what did we <laughs> expect? He's an animal. We're reminded again of yeah. its, of his like true nature, right? Which brings us again to that whole question: like, what makes a person a person? I don't yeah. eat heads off of cats. <laughs> That's what makes you a person, because I see you eat chicken, I see you eat steak. <laughs> I had this conversation. This is a little My off point. topic from what you guys are doing. <laughs> I had the conversation of. If I walked in and my cat's head was being ripped off, I feel like I would have had the same reaction. But if my dog's head had been ripped (laughs) off, I would have hunted that man down. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Dan, you eat meat. Yeah, we're all on the same page. (laughs) Don't you? We were all eating burgers not an hour ago. (laughs) But I liked that. Giles has this role of kind of reminding us of the animal nature of the creature for the most part, because before Eliza convinces him to help break the creature out, Giles says, what are you doing? Why do you care so much that thing's not even human? And Eliza responds, if we don't help, then neither are we. And then... Yeah, what a line. Like, that was great. And then he has the line later when he goes, well, what did we expect? He's a, he's an animal. Like, this is my fault for letting him in here. Right. Um, but that definitely, like, this whole aspect of animal versus human and, like, mm-hmm. 
we as people keep putting ourselves as the top of the food chain because we are, I guess, like the most intelligent or we're narcissistic and consider mm -hmm. ourselves like top priority. And so it's, we will always find ways to justify like eating other animals or training other animals to be ours, like riding horses, um, domesticating elephants for circuses that and like, war. I think we're past war. the point in history, but uh, war <laughs> elephants. Yeah. Yeah. You think we're past that point? <laughs> Um, oh man! Yeah, and all um, right. Here's your here's your AK. Here's your canteen. Here's the keys to your elephant. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, sir. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen to that elephant purr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we kept domesticating elephants and like keeping them as like, would we have like elephant power in cars instead of horsepower? Ooh, because that's that's a greater scale. Yeah, I that'd think. be harder to see over. That'd have to be like <laughs> yeah. A I was really gonna say <laughs> the the cars would have to adjust to the height of the yeah. elephants, and then oh, you're you stepping like down from like ten. Do you mean the measure of like horsepower? Yes, I imagine a carriage funny, being. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I imagine. No, it's just. I imagine a carriage being drawn by an <laughs> elephant, similarly to how they're drawn by horses. Is what I thought you meant. Oh wait, was that no? Okay, okay. I I am in the. Like, so rather than like, oh, this car too. has like five hundred horsepower, you'd yeah. say like it has two elephant power. Because mm. five hundred <laughs> horses, horses is two elephants. That's right. Or if through division, two hundred and fifty horses is one elephant. That is called a unit rate. Yeah. The difference between a rate and a unit rate is that one of the two forms of measurement have been reduced to one. Boom! Story of ratio, <laughs> sixth to eighth grade math. You are welcome. The only podcast where you can talk about math and fish person consent. Well, I don't think I'm a human anymore based off that <laughs> discussion. But yeah, sorry, I, I totally got off track all by my lonesome. But we... We gave you a hand. <laughs> we um, are always able to justify, like, eating certain animals. But, like, we individually draw lines. Mm -hmm. Like, animals that we domesticate, oh, we don't eat those. But um, dogs get eaten in other countries. Like, mm -hmm. cats get eaten in other countries. Um, so why do we draw lines here and not there? It's, like... Yeah. I don't know if that's a rhetorical question or I really want you to answer. But if it's to, like something, answer, see what yeah. I would say it comes down to either what is instinctually ingrained into us from us being an actual human being, and then what's been ingrained for us from our, our culture mm -hmm. and society. So does the, uh, the abhorrence towards interspecies or um, a relation with the uncanny, is that born out of our cultural expectations or us as human human beings uh just rejecting the uh, the thought of it right i heard that people who are related to each other like brother sister mom dad type of thing to each other we smell differently and it's like sort of like a pheromone type of thing or something like that where it prevents us from being sexually attracted to mm. each other. So like if we can evolutionarily get to the point where we where our bodies are telling us that we're not sexually attracted to 
family members, I'm sure it could do the same for species. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, like, that's not even the same ballpark. Like, you gotta go over here. Yeah, and, but, but I hate to bring this up. Uh, Lola Bunny. <laughs> oh, you mean my first crush? <laughs> yeah. But uh, using that logic, I think what, what the attraction between the, uh, the creature and Eliza, it would go past that into the, uh, the, an emotional bond. Because there's no pheromone saying, oh, you both can't speak to each other. Here's the pheromones <laughs> that are being emitted. It's, right. it, it goes beyond that. Yeah. And I think we could definitely, or we don't have to, but get into this conversation of like sex as a means of expressing love versus sex being its own separate form of pleasure mm -hmm. yeah it's uh that's definitely a question um <laughs> i don't know if i'm equipped to answer it um we're all men too i, yeah, don't, I, so, I think we should move yeah. forward <laughs> before um, we but back to the is their relationship weird question um I don't know, there's just, maybe it's the way the story's told, maybe it's the way the creature's presented, maybe I'm a sucker for a love story, but I just read their relationship as they started out with like a genuine friendship that sprouted into romantic love that grew into a physical romantic love just naturally, and I was like, yeah, I'm on board. Maybe a little weird at first, but I'm I'm about it. Right. Love is love. Yeah. It always felt weird in the quirky sense the movie was giving off. It never felt weird in a uncomfortable sense. Mm -hmm. More it it was it felt more in a weird sense to me. And I think that's partly due to the fact that no one in the world of the movie addresses uh, yeah, that. Yeah, erases weird. that point. Yeah. Like in the movie everyone uh, again, Giles, uh, so he walks in on the two of them nakedly embracing each other, and rather than going, what are you doing, that's a fish man, he's just like, oh, I, I should shut the door, I'm being rude. Yeah. He's inspired by it, he draws, yeah. uh, he, he takes from his art and makes a portrait of it. Yeah, so I think because everyone that knows it's gotten physical is just like, yeah, that's like how relationships escalate. And evolve there mm -hmm. they accept it as okay that that's the natural progression and so we the audience are also okay yeah that's i guess that's just where they're at in their relationship so yeah i think uh that begs the question like when intelligent life comes down and uh finally interacts with us humans i wonder what kind of like cultural revolution there's gonna be where interspecies marriage is gonna mm -hmm. have to be a hot topic issue of like, is it okay? Is it not? Next thing you know, they're gonna want to marry each other. Glip glop. That, glip that's glop. my alien voice. I <laughs> I love this one Calvin and Hobbes comic where it's if there's truly intelligent life out there, then they'll know to leave us. Like, yeah. Leave Earth, like the hell alone. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea that like aliens know about us, and then like every couple of decades, they're just like, oh no, they still suck. Like, what are they doing down there? Did they literally just try to wipe out an entire <laughs> culture? But yeah, that is a good point. Is is it the fact that it's a different species what's the hang up, or is it the fact that 
it's a species that we identify as an animal and we think people shouldn't have sex with animals but say he were an alien would we have the same hang up um captain kirk on star trek was sexual with like several different species of yeah. aliens or even the video game mass effect you're yeah. almost more readily available to uh open that possibility of the the new and the unknown than something that you're already familiar with that's been sort mm -hmm. of like this warped image of what you know it is yeah and i know be. i know rick and rick and morty have mm -hmm. sex with a lot of aliens so. yeah <laughs> so i think it is more so oh if he was an alien it's a different story because you know an alien can talk and like we know it can make technology because how else did it get here well, and based on our uh, our culture's fiction about them at least yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well if you can think of a real life example dan i'd <laughs> like to bacteria on mars i want to marry this bacteria growing on mars yeah like i don't know if i'd want to marry an alien from the alien franchise or an alien from the Arrival movie. <laughs> oh, what? Avon Costello didn't turn you on? The giant octopus creatures? <laughs> well, never mind. I won't get into it. Oh. <laughs> That's a podcast for another day. Um, so, yeah, I do think it is in big part that he's analogous to a fish or a frog. And we know those as animals. And we know that as bestiality. And we know bestiality as wrong. And so I think that's well, really most what... of us know bestiality. Yes, <laughs> it I is hear... the official stance of two bald men and friend that bestiality is bad. Yeah, two out of three of us agree with that statement. <laughs> we'll have a Twitter poll on which one you think is which. It's Dan. <laughs> Dang it, guys. <laughs> um, were you going anywhere with that? Or... No. Okay. Um, Literal, just wondering. Okay. <laughs> um, but on this topic, Alex, I think you brought this up to me. Um, this idea that basically people who are okay with bestiality, there are standards within that community. Yes, I did bring this up because these are the <laughs> types of conversations I've got to have. <laughs> oh, but there are multiple schools of thought within the bestiality community that basically says, like, an animal can consent because they show that emotion, because they show enough emotions, and so I can consensually have sex with this animal. Another school of thought is that the owner should have to give permission, but then that sort of develops this whole, like, slave mentality. And then another school of thought is 100% animals cannot consent, and so you can love them, and sort of develop a bond with them, but to have sex with them is wrong. And probably more schools of thought beyond that, but those were the three large-scale schools of thought. So guys, I think this begs the question, do you think that the creature from The Shape of Water should be considered a person? And do you think he consented? We'll let you decide, viewers. So jump in your local pond and... Find you a fish man. <laughs> oh, probably a koi uh, fish. <laughs> they say they bring good luck. And their mouth is just always ready for a <laughs> I wasn't sure if you wanted that on there. <laughs>
That's all for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next Thursday when we talk about three billboards outside Ebbing's Missouri and the false dichotomies we often find ourselves in. If you like us, tell your friends and find us on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore bald men and find us on Facebook. Thank you all again. And if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time.